Good morning. It is awesome to see you this morning as we uh, start celebrating Holy Week this week. As Rhonda said in her children's message, Jesus came into town with fanfare and a parade. People were celebrating. They didn't understand what he'd come to do. But, uh, have you ever uh, been in a situation where people were glad to see you? Happens in the classroom every now and then. They think, it's, man, this is going to be real. <laughs> Everybody's glad to see you, and then all of a sudden, boom, it's not exactly what they thought it was going to be. Anybody ever turned on you like that? Or is it just me? It happens every now and then. But again, sometimes, sometimes what we pray for and what we think is going to happen is not exactly what happens. And usually it's a lot better. Again, because we're thinking in these uh, finite mortal minds. And our Father works in eternity. So His solutions are eternal. Again, it is Holy Week. Um, what a wonderful time to celebrate. Um, we're going to start a uh, confirmation class with some young folks here in just an hour or so. So if you'll, again, lift that class up in prayer as we start uh, this journey through this class. Uh, we've got other things going on. Again, we're going to Monday, Thursday, we're going to start at 6 o'clock and celebrate. Next Sunday, we're going to start at 7 o'clock with a sunrise sun, uh, service. And then uh, I heard there's going to be some pancakes. I'll get up early for pancakes. <laughs> amen. I've got a couple people here that have, can definitely amen that. But it, it, it is a great week. And this morning, I do want us to celebrate. And I want you to know that I love you. And I love serving with you. And this is the day that the Lord has made. And I will rejoice and be glad in it. I'm going to read from Mark this morning. I'm going to read chapter 11. I'm going to re read the first 13 verses. When they were approaching Jerusalem at Bethpage and Bethany, near the Mount of Olives, he sent two, two of his disciples and said to them, Go into the village ahead of you, and immediately, and immediately as you enter it, you will find tied there a colt that has never been ridden. Untie it and bring it. If anyone says to you, Why are you doing this? Just say, The Lord needs it, and will send it back here immediately. They went away and found a colt tied near a door outside the street. As they were untying it, some of the bystanders said to them, Why are you doing this, uh, untying this colt? They told them what Jesus had said, and they allowed them to take it. Then they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their cloaks on it, and he sat on it. Many people spread their cloaks on the road, and others spread leafy branches that they had cut in the fields. Then those who went ahead of those who followed were shouting, Hosanna! Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our ancestor David. Hosanna in the highest heaven. Then he entered Jerusalem and went to the temple. And when he had looked around at everything, 
as it was already late, he went out to Bethany with the twelve. On the following day, when they came from Bethany, he was hungry. Seeing the distant fig tree in leaf, he went to see whether perhaps he would find any fruit on it. When he came to it, he found nothing but leaves, for it is not the season of figs. He said to it, May, you, may no one eat fruit from you again. And his disciples heard it. And this is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, again, just thank you so much for allowing us to come here and worship you, Lord. Thank you for this church. Thank you for this week and, and what it means, Lord. I just pray that, uh, that your words flow through me and, and everyone here and everyone that may be listening online receives the message that you have for them. In Jesus' name, amen. Again, it is the beginning of Holy Week. And Jesus did have a triumphant entry into Jerusalem. People were glad to see him. They were celebrating. And while I'm going to discuss some of those events of Palm Sunday, I want to spend most of my time discussing, discussing passion, purpose, and obedience, and how this passion should be revealed in our worship of a risen Savior. I want to first define passion. It comes from the Greek word that I'm not going to try to pronounce, but it means suffering. The Latin word is, I'm not going to try to pronounce, which refers to Christ's suffering on the cross. According to Webster, passion is defined as suffering. The definition is expanded to say the suffering of Christ between the Last Supper and His crucifixion. Passion in itself means to suffer for something. But passion is one of these words in our society today that's been watered down quite a bit. We say we're passionate about a whole lot of things. We say we're passionate about sports teams, about hobbies, about pastimes, all kinds of things. In other words, we're not using the word passion like it's supposed to be used originally. You see, the word passion has been so diluted just like the word awesome. I remember when awesome meant something just extremely, something unimaginable. Now we have awesome shoes and all, I mean, all kinds of words get diluted. But this morning, I want us to focus on the word passion in its truest meaning, not the watered down meaning that we have in society today. Remember, the word passion means to suffer. Christ's passion. Christ's passion, Christ's suffering for us. Mark chapter 11 gives us details about Jesus' triumphant entry. As I read this chapter, I'm drawn to the fact that everything in the story had a purpose. Every character, everything in this story that's mentioned had a purpose. The two disciples had a purpose. They were sent to get the donkey or the colt. The colt had a purpose. The colt was obedient to the purpose. The two bystanders, or the bystanders that questioned them, they had a purpose, and they were obedient to their purpose because they let them have it. Everything in the story had a purpose. Jesus had a purpose that day. 
You see, he came to the city with fanfare and celebration. You see, he knew his purpose. And he was passionate. And he was obedient. You see, by Friday, many of the same people who were celebrating his entry and shouting, um, Hosanna would turn to shouting, would be shouting, crucify him. And although Jesus knew that this light ahead of him, he was still committed to his purpose. He was still ready to suffer for us. I want to spend the next few minutes talking about how important it is for us to be committed to the purpose that God has called for us. He has a purpose for us all. We're all called. We're all called. And I want to relate how we should be obedient. And if we're passionate for Him, we will be obedient. Again, so far everything in chapter 11 has been obedient to the purpose. But then in chapter 12, or excuse me, in verse 12, Jesus comes to the fig tree, which had leaves but no fruit. You see, we all have a purpose. The fig tree had a purpose. And the scripture even says that it was out of season. It was out of season. And Jesus, when he went to it, he knew what the purpose of the fig tree was. It was to bear fruit. Even though it's out of season, sometimes we think we're out of season. Sometimes we think we're out of season, but we're still supposed to be obedient to what God's called us to. Sometimes it's not easy to fulfill that purpose. You see, I have no doubt the Lord created me to be a son, a husband, a father, a brother, a teacher, a pastor. You see, he's blessed each one of us with gifts and talents. Singing's not mine. But, but we're all called to spread the good news of the gospel. You see, I, again, I'm called to teach. I'm called to preach. It's pretty fortunate because I love doing both of those things. But we have to know what we're called to do. We have to be committed and we have to be obedient to those callings. Again, you may be thinking, I can't, I can't, I can't. And you're right, if you're depending on your power, you can't. If I'm depending on my power, I can't. But when we're depending on the power of Jesus Christ, we can do things that we never dreamed of. You see, throughout the Bible, God uses unexpected people to accomplish some amazing things. He uses the Samaritan woman at the well. It's not a worthy path. He used a tax collector like Zacchaeus. He used Peter who denied him. He used Paul who persecuted him and killed his followers. You see, God has a history of using imperfect people to accomplish his perfect mission. And believe me, if he can use those people, he can use you today. He can use us today. He has a purpose for our lives. And through Christ, you can. Again, if you're trying to rely on your own power and your own knowledge until you surrender to the one who has all the power, has infinite power, until you surrender to Him 
you are going to fail. But once you surrender your life to Him and surrender your calling to Him, He can do some amazing things. Again, but we need to be obedient. We need to be obedient. I said a few weeks ago that sometimes, you know, we, uh, we want to be managers and not missionaries. Sometimes our calling is, is, is a little bit hard. Sometimes we're called to work pretty hard. Sometimes we're called to get dirty. It's not always fun. But again, we still have to be obedient to that calling. We still have to rely on His power. And, and as Christians, I think that we're all passionate for a period of time. I think for a period of time, we all are passionate. And then we get distracted. I use that term a lot, distracted. Especially with kids. My wife will tell you that I've never seen a kid... There's a lot of distractions. As adults, we get distracted too. There's a lot of things in the world to distract us from His calling. There's a lot of things. But we got to rely on His Scripture. we got to rely on His Scripture and rely on His purpose on our life. You see, because once we submit to that calling, you see, Satan does not give up. He knows our weaknesses. And John 10 tells us that he's come to kill, kill, and destroy. Sometimes we look at that scripture and we think he's come to give us a bad day. No, he's wanting to destroy your life. Satan is a thief. He's a liar. He's wanting to destroy you. But when we're tempted, we've got to rely on his scripture and we've got to know what we're called to do. And we have to be obedient to that call. Because if we rely on Jesus, when we rely on Jesus, we can fight those temptations. You see, he uses the weaknesses, or Satan uses our weaknesses to tempt us. He knows our weaknesses. And have you ever noticed when you start to commit to your purpose, when you start to commit to what God's calling you to, that's when Satan comes the hardest. When we're starting to surrender, when we're starting to, to really start living for the Lord, Satan don't give up. He's coming. So again, it's so important to stay in relationship with Christ, to stay in relationship and support of each other, to rely on the Scripture, to pray. That's how we stay focused on our purpose. You see, it's why it's crucial for us to keep the passion. To keep the passion. We must alert, learn to avoid some of these obstacles to grow our relationship with Christ. You see, we do this again through His Word, through prayer, through stewardship, through fellowship through worship, and through evangelism. John Wesley taught the importance of following this by giving an example of three simple rules. And the rules are do no harm, do good, and stay in love with God. Believe it or not, the third rule sometimes is the hardest. It's the most difficult to follow. It's true because Satan's persistent. We've got to be focused on Christ. Again, we have to be in His Word. We have to be in prayer. We have to be in fellowship. We have to continually worship Him to follow our calling, to be obedient. You see, what John Wesley means by, or what I think John Wesley means by stay in love with God is to remain passionate, to be more like Christ every day. He also said that Christians must remain enthusiastic. One of my favorite quotes of John Wesley is, Catch on fire with enthusiasm, and people will come for miles to watch you burn. In other words, 
when we're passionate, when we're on fire for Christ, people notice. They can see that passion in our eyes. They can see that passion in what we're doing. And guess what? They want some of it. I'm not recommending that you physically set yourself on fire, please. But I'm telling you, when you have that spark of the Holy Spirit inside, you cannot hold back. You're going to start telling people. You're going to start doing some things you thought were impossible. As a church, we'll start doing some things that we thought were impossible. But it don't matter how old we are, how young we are, Christ has a calling. He has a purpose for us. You see, people want that same passion that they see in us. See, the last couple of years have been hard on all of us. It's been difficult. It's been challenging to continue to bear fruit. But in 2 Timothy 4, Paul reminds us that we're called to preach the Word both in and out of season. In other words, when we feel like it, when we don't feel like it. When things are going perfect or when things are going tough, we're called to tell people about Jesus Christ. When I've doubted, I've prayed and prayed. As I continued praying, I kept hearing the same answer. And it was very familiar. The Lord told me to show everybody that I come in contact with about His love, His grace, His mercy. And He told me to go teach students. He told me to go preach His Word. And He told me to love everybody that I come in contact with. You see, my Heavenly Father has constantly assured me that He still has a purpose for my life. That purpose hasn't changed one bit. The only thing that's changed is sometimes the methods that, we, that I deliver that purpose with or I, or I fulfill that purpose or I'm obedient to that purpose. And sometimes I fail. Sometimes I don't feel like going on. We all fail. I think it was Hank Aaron that said failure is a part of success. Sometimes when we come up short of our expectations, our family's expectations, I'm telling you, even when we do, our Heavenly Father still loves us. He's still there with open arms. You see, we're works in progress. We're not perfect beings. But thank God we serve a perfect being. We're not perfect, but His mission for our life is. Again, we have to learn to bear fruit. And I'm telling you, if I'd stopped bearing fruit, I think as a church we'd stop bearing fruit, we would have withered by now. So we're still responding to his call. And I'm, I, I, and I'm asking you now not to give up. You see, I know that our church has continued to worship him. I know that our church has continued to stay in contact with each other. I know our church has continued to serve each other in our community. I know our church has continued to celebrate Easter. We're celebrating a risen Savior. That's what we're called to do. We're, tell, we're called to tell other people about our risen Savior. And I want to challenge you, each one of you, to keep bearing fruit. See, God still has a purpose on your life, on my life. We've got to keep doing His work. You all are very gifted. He's created all of us for a purpose. He's given us everything we need to fulfill that purpose. I urge you to continue being passionate. Continue being obedient to your purpose.
and keep bearing fruit. And remember to show His love, grace, and mercy to everybody you meet. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for, uh, for Holy Week. Lord, thank you for the celebration that, uh, that Jesus was welcomed by. Lord, thank you for, uh, for sending him, Lord, and, and giving him the purpose, Lord, the purpose of doing something that we can't do on our own. And it was tough. He suffered, but he was obedient. Lord, I just pray for each person here, each person listening online, that, Lord, that we all continue to worship you, to stay passionate and be obedient to our purpose. In Jesus' name, amen.